NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Sirius XM Radio is better with Bogle Wines. 70s on 7, 80s on 8, better with Bogle. Alt Nation, Hip Hop Nation, Hair Nation, better with Bogle. Madison, Howard, Andy Cohen, better, better, better. Y2 Country, Prime Country, Carrie's Country, yep, all better. The Beatles Channel is better, and getting better all the time. Everything on Sirius is better with Bogle. Award-winning, family-owned wines ranked as some of the finest available for around 10 bucks. As long as you're not driving, it's better with Bogle. Bogle Family Vineyards, Clarksburg, California. Please drink responsibly. Whether thou art a ghost that hath come from the earth, or a phantom of night that hath no heart, or one that lieth dead in the desert, or a ghost unburied, or a demon, or a ghoul, whatever thou be until thou art removed, thou shalt find here no water to drink. Thou shalt not stretch forth thy hand to our own. Into our house enter thou not. Through our fence break through thou not. We are protected, though we may be frightened. Our life you may not steal, though we may be scared to death. Welcome to Scared to Death, Craves Peepers, Roberts, and Annabelles. I'm Lindsay. You're Lindsay? Oh, I threw you. <laughs> I'm Dan. <laughs> Why'd you do that? You uh, just, just to see your face. I was like, what? I'm, like, I'm Lindsay. I, no, I'm Lindsay. me. No, I just thought like, oh boy, that's not a good way to start <laughs> no, the show if you no, can't even read. that was intentional. Read. That was intentional. Uh, <laughs> I, as we were beginning the show, I was looking, I always like, I'm checking mine out, you know, uh-huh. like making sure. And then in this second fan story, uh-huh. they repeat the same line twice. So I was having this panic of like, oh God. Oh God! Oh God! I I I copied down the same stuff twice. Like oh, I, everything's like repeated. Nope, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Episode ninety nine, almost to triple digits. Ninety nine bottles of beer on the wall. <laughs> well, we are going to be um, drinking this next week for the hundredth episode. Uh, the Annabelles and Roberts are putting together a little drinking game for us. They are. That we'll announce at the start of you know, the next episode to set up the game for anybody who wants to drink. Obviously, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't have to. Yeah. You can, listen, you can do shots of fruit punch if you want. Yeah, whatever you want. You can just listen. Yeah. Whatever you want to do. But we're going to do that. Other people are going to do that. Uh, going to be a longer episode than the average episode. Mm-hmm. Kind of more like a bonus episode, Yeah, more right? like a bonus episode. More banter than normal. Uh, going to be hopefully a lot of spooks and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, just can't wait to celebrate 100 episodes of Scared to Death. Yeah, and I think that we were going to... Fun gonna, milestone. Yeah, we're going to hang around at the end of the show after the stories so that if you don't love like this part of us mm. just yammering on, we'll stay on at the end. And the Roberts and Annabelles are submitting some questions that they would Very like cool. us to answer. And, um, and then we'll be nice and toasty. And then mm. that night, we're also doing... Uh, the July TLA. Yeah, we're just going to carry the party over into the, uh, you know, into our This Looks Awesome, yeah. you know, uh, shared horror movie. Yeah, yeah, our watch party. Watch party, there yeah. we go. <laughs> <laughs> so you're struggling with that word. You're like, what, what is it do called we again? Do there? So many things. We do so many things. And then I'm like, what's the you're terminology? Like, I don't know. And a lot of it is just like, like the shared watch, that's like a new thing where I'm like, I always, I do struggle. I'm like, what do you call that? Is I know we go to Cena.com. Uh-huh. I know we put these horror movies through Netflix or Amazon, but yeah, shared watch party. Yeah, yeah. So if you're an Annabelle, you know, you have all that info and 
get drunk with us. Watch watch <laughs> us be drunk watching a horror movie. I'm gonna have some old fashions. My favorite drink right now. Ooh, I don't. I'm. My guess is that I will stick with my good old faithful vodka sodas, mm-hmm. or I might go to like a Huckleberry Mule. Ooh, I'm close to burning out on old fashions. I, you can, are? I can feel it. You can ruin it. I, yeah, I've been going too hard on it. Mm. So I might. Who knows? Let me all switch some, it up. You should switch to a whiskey sour. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'll yeah. figure out how to make myself a G-Sour. Uh, super fun new uh, Not Today Demon tees in the badmagicmerch.com store, red fun. and black. Uh, and uh, not sure because we're recording this in advance, possibly some Scared to Death Volume 2 books still left for pre-order. Maybe. There, there is a limited amount. So there is. Not sure if you haven't gotten one, you, you can check if you want one. Yeah, you better hurry up because once it's gone, it's gone. Last July donation announcement. Uh, thanks again to our Roberts and Annabelles on Patreon for allowing us to donate 14400 to the very important super uh, support side uh, support surfside.org. <laughs> you know what? It's funny. A lot of times I want to pull an audible. Like I'll write it like I just should say it in my notes. Yeah. But then I'm like, no, I want to add some extra adjectives. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And, and if you're watching this, if you've watched episode, like when you – See this, you're yeah. like, are they wearing the same? Thing? Yep. Yeah, because we're doing back-to-back recordings. So they're also like our mouths mm-hmm. are – it's weird how your mouth kind of gets tired. Well, I, and actually I'm feeling extra. I, I took some – I did a big – Line of Coke? Not a line of Coke. Uh, drank a bunch of iced coffee that's stronger than normal coffee. Oh. So now I'm, I'm revving a lot harder than last episode. Boy. Mm-hmm. My okay. energy just went whoop, just – just went up quite a bit. I'll have some of that iced coffee that you'd have. That sounds <laughs> no, great. No, supportsurfside.org is the charity, as we've been talking about in July. Yeah. And uh, to find out more, to help the people, you know, who uh, have lost affected, loved ones and yeah. been affected so tragically by that building collapse in Surfside, Florida, you can go to supportsurfside.org. Yeah, I was listening to the news and they, uh, it is no longer search and rescue. I, yeah, exactly. I think that was as of yesterday. Yeah, they're like, there's no way. Yeah, it's, it's so uh, tragic. so sad. Yeah. Uh, Let's, let's get away from real. Well, it's, it's uh, let's get away from tragedy and just go into scares. Okay, a different right? a different kind of scare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How will you be entertaining us again this week, Lulu? Well, I am so glad that you asked, Dan. I wish I had like a funny little nickname like that for you, like <laughs> Dulu. Well, I was gonna say doo-doo, but then just sounds like I'm calling <laughs> you poop. Okay. <laughs> um, yes, I have a lifelong attachment and haunting. A mm-hmm. uh, tale from a female fan, and it's very interesting. Potentially, her and this ghost have, for a lack of better terms, grown up together. Oh. Uh, and what happens when the living person tries to move on and the dead cannot? Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. It is interesting. And then, second tale, buddy, your favorite kind of topic a doll, a haunted doll, a haunted doll you've discussed on Time Suck. Robert huh. the doll. We have a, a fan. fan story from that. Mm-hmm. Their encounter with their trip to see Robert the doll. Okay, and okay, it is, that's very cool. It is. It is enough to make you go, huh, no thanks. Oh, okay. I think, anyways. Uh, what do you got? I have my two again. No, no, way. no surprise. Um, going to a new country for the first one. I don't think we've been to Peru for horror yet. Oh, well, we love Peru. Mm-hmm. I would go back. Five out of five stars. Oh, yeah. I mean, diving into a real creepy tale that shows up on all kinds of Peruvian scariest places lists. Ooh. The Haunted House of Lunawana. A couple teens looking for some scares get more than they bargained for. Okay. Uh, I really like this story. Yeah. S- the second is a look into some horror film lore, going to examine some strange accidents and tragedies that spooked the cast and crews of a variety of horror films. Oh, I love that. When the cameras stopped rolling, the scares kept coming. So that's, uh, yeah, for horror film fans, it's going to be a fun one. That is awesome. Well, just before we dive into, mm-hmm. before we get deep in it so I can say this thought and let it go, right before we left L.A., the last 
gig I was working on was we were based out of Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. and the office next to us was The Conjuring. Oh, okay. And I would always ask that costume designer. I'm like, so, and she was like, meh. It's all it's all done on a stage. Like it's not <laughs> yeah. it's not that kind of horror. And I was like, oh, uh, dang it. A uh, little bit of setup for the first story. Time for you to get good and comfy. Well, I I am here from the previous episode. You're so ready to go. I'm I'm let's cozied up. I got on the same slippers. I'm in. Okay. Lunawana, Peru sits about 100 miles southeast of Lima. Mm-hmm. The charming village of just over 4,000 sits in a forested area surrounded by desert. People from Lima typically go there for wine tastings and whitewater rafting. Oh, Yeah, it's, cool. really, it's really pretty. Uh, just outside of the small, you know, peaceful, picturesque village is an unexpected place of horror. La Casa Encantada, uh, the haunted house of Lunawana. It shows up on literally every list of the most haunted places in Peru that I could find. Cool. It's a large, old, abandoned white brick house located about 15 minutes outside of town. And like nearly all haunted houses, it has a dark history. Mm-hmm. Peru was occupied by Chile in 1881 during the War of the Pacific that lasted from 1879 to 1883. And during their Peruvian occupation, Chilean soldiers marched into the house now known as the Haunted House of Lunawana, and they brutally murdered the family that lived there. Uh, sadly, this kind of thing was not terribly uncommon. Yeah. You know, a wartime at that time. Apparitions have been witnessed ever since, particularly one, the ghost of a woman. Years later, the former owner's granddaughter moved in with her own family, and they didn't stay long. They claimed they were disturbed by the sounds of burning carts, drowning horses, screaming men, women, and children. Uh, the female appar- apparition in particular spotted often and described as menacing and dangerous. The family so terrified they left and never returned. Years later, someone else purchased the house with the intention to convert it into a hotel, mm. but then they ended up abandoning the project for unknown reasons. Or. Mm-hmm. To this day, the house remained uh, remains abandoned, and it's become a popular spot for paranormal investigators and daring teens looking for some fun. It's easy to find. The words La Casa and Cantada, the haunted house, are spray-painted on the side. Okay, can't miss that. Mm-hmm. Have a picture at the end. Uh, not that many years ago, a group of curious teens from Lima came to the house to camp on the hillside near the house, hoping to see or hear something come you know, from inside the old building. Mm-hmm. And they got more than they bargained for. They saw lights. They heard music coming from the house. They went to investigate. And then when they entered, all the sounds and music stopped. The temperature dropped rapidly. They were overcome by a powerful sense of dread. Oh, my gosh. One of the teens panicked and fled, running across the road in front of the house. He was so scared, he ran directly in front of a car, didn't seem to hear or see the car, didn't see its headlights, tragically died from his (gasps) injuries, and a cross now marks the spot of the accident. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. The house has become a, a, a very, you know... Sadly, even more popular attraction since it's become yeah. part of the lore. Uh, tourists frequently reporting seeing things, feeling you know strange sensations. The second floor, typically the center of the activity, and right before the COVID nineteen pandemic temporarily paused ghost tours, uh, Peru locked down pretty hard actually and pretty quick. A few teens snuck in to explore the house and the nearby hillside, and like many. They met the angry ghost of a woman believed to have been the wife murdered by soldiers back in 1881, like many have claimed. Time now for the tale of the White Lady of Lunawana. March 2020. As summer was coming to an end, Julian and his family decided to go one last weekend, or uh, to go on one last weekend trip to Lunawana. They'd spent many, many weekends there over the past few years, coming from Lima to enjoy river rafting, wine tastings, hit a few little restaurants and cafes they'd grown to love over the years. They'd been hearing about the coronavirus, but at at this point, nobody was sure exactly what it was still, how serious it was, and there were no lockdowns in place yet. His parents were cautious, but they still decided to go through with their trip. They arrived in Lunawana on March 6th, planning to stay through the 9th. 
Everything was familiar to Julian at this point. The best restaurants is uh, their favorite hotel and their river rafting center or the river rafting center where some kids he'd become friendly with worked. While his parents were eating lunch, Julian headed to the Lunawana Expedicione's office to check in on a river rafting trip his dad had booked. Over the summer, he'd made friends with some of the employees and wanted to make sure he was on one, you know, that they were going to guide the trip. Ramon, one of the guides, had sent him a text letting him know he was in the office that day if he wanted to stop by. Sure enough, when Julian swung open the door, Ramon looked up from the computer at the front desk, grinning. How's it going, Julian? All good for me. How's everything here? Not so good. His shoulders slumped, grin falling off his face. Have you heard much about this COVID thing? My manager says we might have to shut down any day now. Seriously, that's awful. You're still going to be able to be our guide tomorrow, though, right? He paused for a moment to check his computer. For tomorrow? You and your parents? Right, and... Just as he was about to ask for the time, a girl walked into the main office from the door behind Ramon. She looked furious. Hey, where are you going, Eva? Ramon called after her. She spun around. They just canceled all the city tours. I'm out of work until further notice. Did they cancel anything else? No, they wouldn't cancel their precious whitewater rafting. She rolled her eyes and stormed out. Hey, Eva, wait one minute, please. Ramon and Julian, uh, uh, Ramon told Julian as he ran after her. After about a minute of heated conversation, they came back in together. So sorry about that, Julian. Now about that rafting trip. Yes, of course, I can still guide for you. No problem. Eva now sat glowering behind the front desk. So Julian said, turning towards Eva, you're not able to do any more group tours? She sighed. No, because now we can't have large groups in enclosed spaces. It's ridiculous. She paused. I'm Eva, by the way. What's your name again? Julian. What about private tours? What do you mean? Well, if you wanted to take, like myself and Roman on a city tour, could you do that? He wanted to help this Eva girl out, maybe play wingman for Roman, who clearly liked her. He also had his own selfish motivations, mainly getting out of the hotel and away from his parents. I don't know. I don't think I'm allowed to do that. Plus, I couldn't take you to multiple locations without getting caught. How about you pick one place to show us, uh, you know, something off the beaten path and we all go tonight? She thought about it for a moment. Fine. I know the perfect place, actually. La Casa Encantada. La Casa Encantada. Have you been there before? It's about 50 minutes away, isolated. We should be able to sneak in easily. The haunted house? I forgot about that. I've never been. It sounds perfect, Julian said with a grin. And then Julian returned to spend the rest of the afternoon and early evening with his family before ditching them to hang out with a couple kids his own age for the night. Almost there, the text from Roman read. It was just after 10 p.m. Julian had told his parents he was hanging out with some friends he'd made. That was totally cool with them. They didn't even ask where he was going, too focused on their now teen-free plans for the night. They trusted him. He'd always been independent and dependable. It would be perfect. Julian wouldn't have to confess that he was potentially breaking a few laws tonight. He paid Eva 400 sol for her tour, about 100 bucks US. She promised to take them to the house and show them around the entire hillside, hillside telling them all the spooky old legends along the way. Ramon picked, up, uh, picked him up in his old truck, with Eva already in the passenger seat. She gave Ramon the directions to the house and dove right in, describing all the history, the local legends, and the disturbing incidents that had occurred on the property. Did that kid really die there? Julian asked, eyes widening in horror as they pulled up to the house. Yeah, well, he died on the road after the car hit him, but it was the house that made him run away in the first place. Have you ever seen anything, Eva? Ramon asked curiously. She hesitated, decided on what to tell them. I have. I mostly hear things, always on the evening tours, never during the day. I hear horse hooves outside sometimes. Occasionally the guests will tell me they hear it too, but most of the time I keep it to myself. I've also heard faint screaming before, which makes sense given what happened there. You're lying, Ramon uh, said. No, I'm not, I swear, said Eva. It was easy to tell she was not joking. At the very least, she believed what she was saying, which gave Julian goosebumps. She continued to freak him out, adding, I've also seen, well, I don't really know what it is, or, or she is, I guess. I've seen what looks like a like a white lady before in the windows, a, a woman... 
They call her the white lady. Really gave me the creeps. Like I said, the house looks cheesy uh, from the outside, like a tourist attraction. But when you get there, you'll see it's real. There's something in the air there that just doesn't feel right. Ramon's headlights illuminated the house off in the distance now. Eva was right. It did look like a cheesy tourist attraction. La Casa Encantada was spray painted on the front in big letters. And various entrance and exit signs have been posted around the property. Ramon parked on the road across from the house behind a tree to make the truck look or to make the truck less visible. Eva told them the road wasn't traveled very much, but they could never be too careful. It didn't look like the traditional image of a haunted house. Old, Victorian, gray. This house was white brick square and on a rocky hillside. The air did feel thick as they approached the main steps. They stepped inside the main room and everything from the floor to the ceiling was stone. Dirty, trash littering the floor. Julian felt tense. Gentlemen, welcome to La Casa Encantada, Eva said beginning her tour. We've just entered the main room of the house. Historians guess that this is the room in which the family was murdered by the Chilean soldiers. Many people report hearing screams and footsteps here, and some have even reported being touched by spirits. If you'll come to the left with me, you can have a peek in the bedrooms as we go upstairs. The second floor is the site of most of the paranormal activity and the location where the white lady is most often seen. Some say she's the ghost of the wife who was murdered, and after witnessing her family's deaths, she hasn't been able to move on. They now ascended the stone steps to the second floor. Julian's nervousness increased as it went up, tightening his chest, quickening his breathing. On the second floor, visitors also report being touched by ghosts. Some have even seen the white lady before them. Some say that if you're not careful and you're a man, she'll mistake you for one of the soldiers who killed her family and she'll try to hurt you, maybe worse. They say that if you're a woman, she might try to, she might try to steal your soul to walk the earth again as a real woman. Eva giggled after the last line of her speech. Hey, I thought you actually uh, heard and felt something here, Eva. I thought you believed this stuff. Asked Julian. I do, really. I just don't believe in all the steal your soul stuff. It feels like a bit much, right? Ramon, trying to act bored, but seeming at least to Julian to be spooked as he was, said, I'm not feeling anything in here, Eva. How about we go look around outside? Okay, gentlemen, as you wish. Come out this door. There are steps on the hillside that lead up to a nice little viewing platform. Julian walked behind them, letting them get some space. He kept giving Ramon the chance to flirt with Eva, but he just wasn't taking it. <laughs> He felt, a less, uh, he felt a little less spooked once they were outside of the house. It felt like there was a less tension, less strange energy outside. At least for a brief moment, it felt that way. Just as he was beginning to feel some relief, a cool breeze floated past his right ear, strong and direct, like someone was blowing on him. Julian whipped his head around. There was nothing, nothing that he could see, but he no longer felt like the three of them were alone. He hurried up the stairs, no longer worrying about giving the two others their space. He wasn't quite ready to say anything and wrist seemed like a big chicken. Careful on the stairs as we go up, Eva warned. Some of them are uneven. Ramon and Eva climbed first, and Julian, he didn't like being last anymore. He kept worrying that something was creeping up on them. Mm-hmm. But if it was, it didn't grab him and pull him away from the group like it might in a movie. And soon, all three of them were standing up high on the hillside overlooking the house. Suddenly, the house didn't seem so cheesy. The dark windows looked ominous. Julian expected an evil face to pop out and scream at them at any second. Maybe the face of whatever he'd felt below. From their spot at the top of the hill, he noticed the cross on the other side of the road. He felt nervous again, remembering that someone had actually died here because they were so scared of whatever was in that house. Julian then heard some shuffling above him and looked up just in time to see Ramon lose his footing, his arms flail, and then fall backwards off the top step. Oh my god. Eva's eyes widened. She lurched forward to try and grab him, but he fell too quickly. Julian was faster and in a much better position. He managed to partially break Ramon's fall. They both tumbled but landed in the grass instead of falling, thank god, down the stairs. Ramon! Eva shouted, helping him up. What happened? I thought I warned you to be careful. Ramon was shaking. He looked terrified. I was being careful. 
He hesitated before continuing. Look, I don't want to scare you, but I, I didn't fall. I felt something push me. He saw their disbelieving looks. I swear I'm telling the truth. When you were talking to me, Eva, I felt like this energy come towards me. And then I felt a hand push me in my chest. I was so surprised I couldn't get my balance. I, I, I swear. It was like something wanted me to fall to get hurt. Now Eva looked a bit scared. Okay, Julian interjected. I don't want to say anything earlier, but, but I felt something back down by the house. Like someone blowing in my ear, not the wind. And then I felt like something was watching us. Maybe we just call it quits, all right, said Eva. No, said Ramon, maybe trying to impress Eva by being tough. Let's not let some ghosts scare us off that easily. I, I want to explore the house a bit more before we go. Eve and Julian, or Eva and Julian reluctantly agreed, and then they all scurried down the stairs, stairs, worried that whatever was out there would make another attempt at pushing one of them. Once they were back in the house, they talked some more and decided this might be a once-in-a-lifetime op- opportunity to really see something. Clearly, the spirits, or at least one spirit, was active tonight. Inside, they figured the worst case, they would just get really scared. If they had to run, they all agreed they would run, but just not towards the road. They wanted to do a little more exploring to make the story uh, better that they would all tell their friends later, and then they'd go. Back inside, Eva and Roman wanted to take a look at some of the human remains and artifacts that a local tour company had built a display for, while Julian suddenly himself wanted to explore the first floor alone. He wanted to be brave. He was scared, very scared, but also really curious at the same time. And he would later believe she was drawing him, luring him down there. What was here with them, he wondered. What had blown in his ear and pushed Roman? He'd never experienced anything like this before. What might happen next? Soon, Julian was on the back side of the first floor. Off in a corner, he found a metal door, covering up some sort of hole in the floor. He lifted it up. Whoa, what the hell? Inside was a small little tunnel, carved in stone like the rest of the house. It wasn't long, and it led to some sort of secret room. Did the family use this to hide from soldiers during the occupation, to hide their valuables? There was even a small ledge right at the entrance. It was practically begging him to go inside and have a look around. He pushed the door all the way open and slowly eased himself inside. Using his phone as a flashlight, he looked all around in every nook and cranny. His heart was pounding. What if he saw something now? What if he felt something now? He tried to keep his imagination from sending him into a total panic. It was kind of exciting. He was pretty damn proud of himself for not freaking out after what they'd already experienced. He currently saw nothing dark or terrifying. Just an old room. The room itself was pretty cool. Tiny, but pretty cool. It was really small, no more than maybe 20 square feet. The tunnel didn't lead to anywhere else, it seemed. When Julian put a foot on the little ledge, preparing to haul himself back out, the door above him slammed shut. Very funny, Julian yelled. Open the door, Roman. Julian pushed. There were no locks on the inside or the outside of the door. But no matter how hard he pushed, it wouldn't budge. Open the door! He yelled as loud as he could now, hating the panic he was starting to hear in his voice. He started banging on it as hard as he could. Open it! He couldn't hear anything. No laughter or whispering of Eva and Roman, who were obviously playing a horrible trick on him. He was furious. He was trying to help Roman. This is what he gets. They were just outside the door, right? Julian kept beating on the door, pushing, shouting for help. Why couldn't they hear him? He wasn't that far away. It wasn't like this old, beat-up building had some kind of soundproof safe room. Couldn't they tell he was getting pretty freaked out? Why were they doing this? And then Julian felt the temperature drop. And that same cold air on his right ear. And now something new. Was that a finger touching his back? A faint, white glow surrounded him. Something was behind him. Open the door, he screamed. It's not funny, it's not funny. 
He didn't want to turn around. He now realized this was no prank. Something was in the room with him, something that just trapped him. Julian shuddered, feeling sick as a cold hand grabbed his wrist now. With tears in his eyes, he didn't think he'd get so scared he could start crying. He had to look. He slowly turned around, tears running down his face, lip trembling, coming face to face with the white womanly figure. She was partially transparent, floating in the air before him, fading in and out, a strange light glowing around her, the white lady. Julian's fear made him tense up, freeze in place. She wouldn't let go of his wrist. Was she going to kill him? Did she think he was one of those soldiers? Oh, God. Besides his own fear, he could already feel a thickness in the air, thickening the sadness that reached inside his chest, made his throat tight, his eyes burned with more unshed tears. I'm sorry about what happened to you, Julian whispered, the words coming to him without conscious thought. She came closer, icy grip tightening on his wrist. Please let me go. I promise we'll leave your house. I promise. I'm so sorry. Julian now looked up, although he didn't hear anything. The door was open, moonlight filtering in from the entrance. He looked back down and the white lady was gone. Wasting no time, he quickly hauled himself out of the hole, ran to find Roman and Eva. We have to go right now, he told them, panting from exertion. Why? What's wrong? Roman asked. You saw her, Eva said. I know that look. You've seen the white lady. Julian nodded. She wants us out of her house. The trio ran out of the house, carefully crossed the street, then quickly hopped into Roman's car. As they sped away, Julian's tension slowly dissipated. As, it, as his adrenaline levels lowered, Julian wondered what would have happened if she hadn't let him go. Could she have dragged him somewhere with her? What was that secret room for? He still wonders that today. No one seems to know. He can't find anything online. If the experience hadn't been so intense, he might have tried to convince himself it was all in his head, but it certainly wasn't. The memory hasn't faded. And Roman, he too was pushed. And Eva, she'd seen the white lady before. Julian said he'd, uh, says he's recently returned to Lunawana, but not to the haunted house. But he did slowly drive past it. He drove past it during the day. And when he did, in one of the windows, he swears he saw a woman's shadow moving back there in the darkness. And he believes that if he were to go back at night, he would see the white lady again. And this time, maybe she wouldn't let him go. Ay ay ay. Ay ay ay. I wanted to give a big GTFO, but then. No. Well, I just. He did get. The, yeah, he got out as fast as he could. He did. They, sh- they should have went back gone, in. Yeah, they should have like when when they fell down. That should have been like, uh, uh-uh, get yeah, the fuck out of there. It's over. I was too enthralled with what was happening. Some teens. Teens, uh, 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 there's, I feel like there's this age range. I mean, uh-huh. it's, it's different for other people, but I get that, like, especially when um, teens are around other teens and there's like uh, opposite sex around, mm-hmm. you know, and nobody little, wants like, to see chicken. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. mm-hmm, exactly, a little peacocking. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to seem like the chicken. You know, they want to probably, nope, probably everybody wanted to go home. Yeah, but no <laughs> one wants to be the one to say, let's go home. <laughs> right. I, I was always one that was like, oh, don't be such a fucking baby. Oh, yeah. I was such an instigator. And now I would be the first person to be like, hey, we got to go. We got to go. I've had a giant role reversal. It's like some sort of weird payback. Uh-huh. Uh, so here's this first This first picture is a picture of Luna Juana's uh, La Casa Encantada. Oh, yeah. It does look. I mean, mm. listen, if they Different. like, if there were some uh, food trucks out front, I would, <laughs> some seating out in the front, I would think like, oh, I could just go there for lunch. Yes, like, it, you know what I mean? It's so boring. Uh-huh. It's like an interesting construction. Just like, just that white brick and just so square. Yeah. I'm, yeah. yeah. I'm guessing it's been painted to keep it. Oh, painted white possibly. Yeah. Cause it does yeah. Look, yeah. Yeah. True. It's not like, the, it's not white brick. It's I like that they have the, white. the haunted house just painted on it. I know. I said like spray that, painted, but maybe not. It might not, it might be hand painted. Yeah. Well, maybe there's been different incantations yeah. of it, but I think uh, that it looks like a little like sea ray kind of. Yeah, I think I, might, I think that's supposed to be like a ghost on the side painted mm-hmm. there, maybe. Yeah. And then and then so this next picture is the a picture of the town of Lunawana from the mountainside. I mean, it's a pretty small, cool little town. It is uncanny. 
to me now that we've been there. Mm, how close it is to Riggins, right? That terrain. Exactly. Like if you, mm-hmm. if right now, if you pause what you're doing yeah. and you Google uh-huh. Luana right. and then you Google Riggins, Idaho, you I are going to be like, am I looking at the same place? It is crazy similar the salmon river canyon the geography of the salmon river canyon is extremely similar yeah to the geography of peru Mm -hmm. and actually idaho potatoes peru potatoes yep peru also known for a ton of potatoes yeah what was it what do they call it similar um sacred valley i can't remember oh yeah i think you're right i think you're right might be the sacred valley fertile valley something but yeah i mean like the the Soil there is incredibly fertile. And I think it is the yeah, same. And, and potatoes is what uh, tends mm-hmm. to be uh, grown a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- now you can see in that last picture, there's like a pretty little Catholic church in the center of town. Uh, so just, uh, this is the next picture is a better picture of that. It's just cool where oh, it's. Oh, uh, that is beautiful. Built in 1690. Wow. That's when the good preservation. Mm hmm. They've kept uh, good care of it. And then this last picture is the inside of the church. I just thought it was cool. I love these old churches. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like it's a different altar than you're used to seeing in a church. But Well, especially a Catholic church. Especially but, a Catholic church. But, you know, they got yeah. a big Satan, Satan statue and he's got a pretty big wiener. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I was just trying to find something to shock you, but it didn't get the reaction I was hoping for. No. That's, uh, that's actually in southern Mexico. That picture comes from – it comes from a time stick episode a long time ago. But – uh. That's a, a satanic church, and I just love— Oh, okay. I was like, what is it really? Yeah, it's a satanic church, and, and they will pray to Satan in this church, but they'll pray like—as part of it is um, for fertility, mm. for um, uh, to fix impotence. Oh. And that's why the Satan statue has a big old ween. Hard, big hard ween. Why, why can't you just say penis? Uh, ween's funnier to me. Penis. I hate that word. Ween? It just like, I hate— He's like, got a big ween! Right, it just feels childish, mm-hmm. and I don't like it. I he's, also don't like pussy. He's, he's got a large. Oh, I love the word pussy. Ugh, I hate it. Out, outside you of like, you don't always hate it. Come on. <laughs> outside of <laughs> like, uh, I, yeah, I just, I just don't care for like, uh, uh, what's what's what? What are you supposed to say instead of pussy then? Vagina. Oh, you get real clinical. I do. I just think that like, cause this is why I don't like it. I'm going to get mm-hmm. real deep for a second. Okay. I do not care for the theory of not using proper terminology mm-hmm. when talking to your kids about their body parts. Yeah, but we're not talking to the kids right now. I know, but it just, it, it lingers in my brain because mm-hmm. I don't like it because then it's like, that is what they learn. Like, oh, you're wee-wee, you're hoo-ha, you're vajay-jay. Mm-hmm. It's like... Would you like to have sexual intercourse this evening? That's not like put it. a penis in your vagina. That's not it. Yeah. You, you're not, like, whatever. <laughs> you're not... I know, I'm just being ridiculous. No, you're not fucking on board with this conversation so we can just move on. You irritate me so much when you do that. Yeah, because I'm trying to explain to you why okay. it bothers me, okay. and you I'll just don't now. give a fuck why it bothers me. <laughs> I'll stop. I'm stop. It's okay. We can just you move explain. On. No. When you're talking to kids, and it carries over. No, and it's people fine. don't use the proper terminology it's for fine. genitalia. It's fine. All right. I'm, I'm, I don't want to explain myself any longer. Well, don't be sourpuss. <laughs> Come on. You're just waiting to use that word. I was. Yeah. That's, that's how can I work it in? Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is why I don't want to continue having this conversation because it's just going to be you coming up with uh, slang for genitalia mm-hmm. and just working it in and me continually being irritated mm-hmm. that we can't have an adult conversation about genitalia. And okay. that that is the problem. Enough about schlongs and dingles, you guys. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's transition. Why are you like that? <laughs> I don't know. I have to get a psychologist to tell you that. Well, I'm, I think you're too much for them. <laughs> now let's transition from a haunted house in Peru to some haunted movies. Are you ready? I guess. All right. Let's get that puss in gear. Go you know at- that kids listen to this show, right? <laughs> <laughs> you understand that, okay. right? Well, they got to hear it sometime. That, oh, that is the point. Going to look at some interesting facts from The Conjuring Psycho, The Omen, and more after a quick in-between story sponsor break. 
What is the most basic gift you have ever given the moms in your life for Mother's Day? Flowers, a candle, some random knickknack you picked up at the last minute because you completely spaced Mother's Day? I have definitely made the mistake of procrastinating gifts for Mother's Day. And then, like the Friday before, I run to whatever store is open and convince myself that, yes, yes, my mom does need another coffee mug that declares she's the world's (laughs) best. So lame. This year, how about one upping yourself by giving the moms in your life an Aura picture frame? Named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter, Aura frames are guaranteed to bring joy to any mom at any age. Aura frames connect easily to Wi-Fi and have unlimited storage so you can share as many pictures as you want. This year, as many of you know, I am on a spending freeze, but one of my carve-outs was meaningful gifts for the people I love. I don't want to give all of the moms in our lives something that won't bring them joy. We are giving Aura frames to the moms in our world because they are timeless, heartwarming gifts. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off, plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code SCARED at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What are the things that weigh you down on a day-to-day basis? What kind of stress are you holding on to? Do you spend much of your day going over things in your brain over and over until they are so distracting it affects your mental health? Well, don't worry. You're not alone. We all carry different stressors, some big, some small. When we keep things bottled up, the results can be negative. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest without fear or judgment. It's a place to work through what is heavy on your mind and heart so that you can feel lighter and happier. I'm always holding on to something. It's the way my anxious brain works. I'm continually worried that I've done something wrong, that I've hurt the feelings of someone I love, and that I have let someone down. I'm stressed that I'm not being a good enough mom or wife. I panic that our life will implode at any given moment and it'll all be my fault. Thankfully, I have an amazing therapist who helps me talk through each of these scenarios. After each and every appointment, I feel lighter, happier, and more capable of showing up as my most authentic self. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Scared to Death today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Scared to Death. Summer is just around the corner. Who's excited? I know I am. With the warmer, sunnier days calling your name, the last place you're going to want to be is in your kitchen, cooking, and meal prepping. Make your life easier with Factors No Prep, No Mess Meals. Factors Never Frozen, Always Fresh Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. Think of all the extra time you will get outside in the summer sun when you aren't wasting hours in the kitchen. I think I speak for everyone when I say that the summer is the busiest time of the year. We are all trying to cram in as many things as possible, from concerts to vacations and everything in between. With Kyler home from college and Monroe on her break too, I want to spend as much time as possible with them. And while I truly love to cook, the summer is the one time of year that I'm the least interested in doing that for three meals a day. So I lean on Factor to help keep me healthy and in step with my diet. I'm obsessed with the honey yogurt pancakes for breakfast, the pork El Pastor for lunch, and the cilantro lime barramundi for dinner. So easy and saves me so much time. Head to factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 and use code scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code scared to death 50 at factormeals.com slash scared to death 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Thanks for listening to our sponsors, Creeps and Peepers. Not much setup on this one. I feel like you, there's something else rolling around in your brain. I'm holding it together. Uh, You've got more. Do you want to say any more other slang? I'm fine.
Are you? Uh, yeah, I'm fine. I know uh, I'm good. I'm I good. I don't trust you. <laughs> I don't want you to get your twaddle worked up. You know? There we go. It's okay. Right. There, you now I'm really done. Okay, is that okay, the one that you're holding on to? Yeah, now I'm really done. Okay. Not much set up on this one. We get into the haunted details pretty quick. Uh, I'm guessing most of our creeps and peepers probably love a good horror movie, whether it's just to get your adrenaline up, to admire some crazy special effects, or to have a nice time with friends and family. It's fun to get scared. There's just uh, something fun about being able to watch a scary movie you can turn off at the end and then go back to your less than terrifying life. But what if that weren't the case? For many who've worked on some of our favorite horror films, the scares didn't stop when the camera stopped rolling. In fact, many of the biggest and most successful horror movies of all time have had some truly strange and horrifying things happen during filming or shortly afterwards. Some actors and crew members have even died. Can their deaths simply be chalked up to accidents, cruel twists of fate, or by trying to capture mysterious paranormal entities on camera, were the filmmakers, actors, and crew baiting something they really shouldn't bait? Some of these might very well be tall tales or stories invented to boost the movie's reputations, but if one of them is real, it opens up a terrifying possibility. Maybe we should not be talking about some of this stuff. But we're going to anyways. Mm -hmm. Time now for the tale of careful what stories you choose to tell. Let's begin with The Conjuring. The Conjuring is a movie based on the true story of the Perrin family who experienced unexplained ghostly activity in their home in Rhode Island in the 1970s. Several members of the family actually visited the movie set during filming. But Carolyn Perrin wasn't one of them. Nothing could convince the mother of the family to set foot near the set. She was afraid to anger whatever her family had experienced that led to that movie. And whatever that thing was, some think it did show up on set. Once, while other members of the Perrin family were on set, a strong wind came up and seemed to swirl unnaturally around them. Members of the crew standing nearby noticed that the trees just opposite them not moving. Then just a couple days later, the hotel that the actors and movie crew were staying in caught fire. Everyone had to be evacuated. James Wan, the movie's director, recalls working late on the movie uh, in his office one evening when his dog started growling at something. Getting up to investigate, Wan could not find anything that was antagonizing the dog. However, the dog kept growling, seemed to focus on one specific place on some possible unseen entity across the room. What was the dog upset with? What was in the room with Juan and his dog that night? Vera Farmiga, who played the role of a paranormal investigator in the movie, refused to take the script home with her, as she said it made her feel uneasy to have it inside her house. She also couldn't read it at night because she would become unusually paralyzed by fear whenever she tried. And she claimed that while filming, she once opened her laptop to find three slashes across the screen as if some beast had dragged its claws across it. What? There's also strange lore that surrounds the 2012 movie The Possession, an unconventional horror movie that involves Judaism, rabbis, and a cursed Dybbuk box that attaches itself to a young girl. Jeffrey Dean Morgan, you like him a lot. (laughs) One of the stars of the film. Uh, No stranger to playing roles in paranormal movies and television shows usually doesn't bother him, but what happened on the set of The Possession left Mr. Morgan feeling very uneasy. Some of the weird things that happened, including lights exploding seemingly on their own, chilly breezes wafting through closed sets for no particular reason, and then the storage facility where all the spooky props were being held caught fire and burned to the ground. Whoa. An investigation into the blaze confirmed that it could not be blamed on arson or an electrical fault. So what caused it? It was ruled undetermined by investigators. The Dybbuk box used in the movie was one of the props destroyed in the fire. Did the fire release anything? Whoa, buddy. The cast and crew later refused to allow the movie's producers to replace the Dybbuk box for fear of bringing more bad energy or spirits onto the set. Luckily, no one was harmed. Some actors in this next production would not be so lucky. 
Vic Morrow, former longtime working actor who's actually the late father of actress Jennifer Jason Leigh, uh, was killed on the set of the 1983 movie The Twilight Zone. What makes this tragedy especially freaky is that Morrow predicted his death. A year before filming The Twilight Zone, uh, Morrow took out a $5 million life insurance policy on himself, telling friends and family that he had a premonition something bad was going to happen to him on his next movie. Sure enough, while filming a scene for The Twilight Zone, a helicopter crashed and decapitated him. Two child actors were also killed in the accident, one of them also decapitated. Oh my god! Which prompted a lengthy investigation and court case. Later revealed that the movie's a concept, uh, also later revealed that the movie's concept artist had mistakenly drawn a burned out helicopter in the middle of the river in one of his sketches, essentially foreshadowing the accident that happened. Whoa. Events on the set of the 1968 classic Rosemary's Baby got real scary real quick once shooting the movie began. During production, legendary horror movie producer William Castle received an anonymous letter that said he would slowly rot during a long and painful illness. Not long afterwards, Castle collapsed, underwent surgery to combat a problem that would plague him for months to come. That's not all. Uh, Christoph Komita, who uh, composed the musical score for the film, died from a hematoma of the brain after falling off an escarpment. Other issues on the movie included the, the entire cast getting sick from food poisoning and one of the movie's producers suffering a stroke while driving home from set. And all of that pales in comparison to what happened during the filming of one of Hitchcock's masterpieces. Psycho scared the bejesus out of people back in 1960, but an incident on the movie set rivaled anything put into the finished film. While production was underway, Myra Jones, an uncredited body double for lead actress Janet Leigh, was murdered on set by someone else involved in the project. A handyman named Kenneth Dean Hunt, who was working on the film, carried out the murder, then told police he did it to impress director Alfred Hitchcock, claiming he was obsessed with the notorious suspense and horror director. Following the senseless murder, Hitchcock gathered the cast and crew around him and said, It appears we now have all the motivation we need to complete this film. And that brings us to our final film. He was a weird dude. I mean, that's a weird thing to say. Mm -hmm. That's not a pep talk. The Omen is a horror classic Mm -hmm. and was one of the most popular and influential horror films of the 1970s. But the tale of a young boy named Damien, who is the Antichrist, almost wasn't completed due to a possible curse that enveloped filming the movie. Legend has it that many bad things happened on the set of The Omen, uh, as as many as in the completed picture. A crew member was seriously hurt in a car accident while driving to the set. The scriptwriter's airplane was struck by lightning en route to the film's location. And if that weren't enough, an airplane in which Gregory Peck and the movie's executive producer were traveling in also struck by lightning in a separate incident. None of these were the biggest tragedy to befall the cast and crew of The Omen. The crew had decided to use a private airplane to get from one film location to another. Just after the plane took off with a number of the crew on board, something went wrong. It crashed into the road, hitting a car, which then crashed at high speed into another vehicle, and everyone involved, 11 people in total, were were killed. Oh, my God. Perhaps unsurprisingly, Peck then refused to do publicity for The Omen uh, prior to it being released in theaters. Maybe he knew that whatever the film's crea- creation had invited into our realm was not something to be conti- uh, further messed with. Are we messing with something we shouldn't be here? What new explorations of the horror genre, such as this podcast, will open up the door to the other side a crack further than we're actually prepared for? You know, I do get quite a few emails that are like, be careful. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're cleansing that space regularly. Like, because you don't, we don't know the rules. Mm-hmm. Hi. 
So I still have some uh, movie posters. I, I love movie posters. I know you do. So um, he, also before before yeah. you go on. Oh yeah, you had something that you heard about that guy falling right and uh, dying. It made me think about wasn't there? I don't, maybe you've already shared this story mm. here, mm. but and if we have new listeners or maybe somebody missed it or just enjoyed it, didn't you work with somebody? Who worked on a horror film? Yeah, I and, have that written in the comments. And somebody died, like in the editing bay. Yes, that's yes. so funny. I literally wrote that in the comments. It wasn't a film; it was a reality show. It's like a ghost hunter series. Yeah, yeah. And I don't remember, unfortunately, which series it was. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I was working at Gurney Productions, and uh, you know where they were doing a variety of reality shows, and yeah. you kind of get like. For a little while there, I was just getting tossed around working on a lot of shows that didn't even end up getting made. Right. But it's like you work in like pre-production and they're like, hey, you know, we have a, like a lot of pilots get, you know, bought. Well, yeah. So, yeah. So you work on this one. You work on that one. Well, and, pilots are different than pre-pro, but. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Some of it My was true. My technical brain can't true. get past it. Some of it was true pre-production on like this hasn't even – we're working on a concept that will be hopefully shot as a pilot. Right, exactly. You know, different levels. The process is insane. It is, yeah. And there was this guy, Rick, who was on staff now at Gurney at this time. Yeah. And he had, you know, veteran guy, probably been, you know, working in reality TV for 20, 25 years. Mm -hmm. It helmed a lot of different shows. And for a while there, he specialized in horror shows. Yeah. uh, Like Ghost Hunters, you know, those kind of things. And um, anything like paranormal. And I just asked him, I was like, oh, man, I'm like, I'm like, so are you a believer? And he was like, he's like, well, yeah, but and I was like, well, uh, there's a lot of that stuff like, you know, you see all these things. And he's like, no. And he told me that on all the shows, but one that they would like me- heavily mess with uh, the people and like ex- exploring the house. Like yeah. a producer would sneak up and make the noise. Right, right, right. And then they'd capture the person's organic reaction, but it wasn't actually a ghost. It was just a dude sure. in the attic messing yep. with them. Yep. And I'm like, oh, man, I was kind of bummed out. But then he told me about this one show he said he worked on that really freaked him and the rest of the crew out where they just had, they got weird vibes the whole time they were working there. And they got so freaked out, they ended up having like a spiritual cleanser come into their production office and clean things. And they did that right after what you said, where after already hearing weird things like EVPs, things that they're like, nope, I swear to God, no one did that. They're not pranking each other. Like, what the fuck is going on? And then on the scary, like on the episode about that particular house that was freaking everybody out, one of these guys in this editing base, an editing base, just essentially a computer. Yeah, it's, like think of like a cubicle and it's like computer, yep. computer, computer, computer. Yeah, exactly. Just where, you know, an, an editor will just sit in there, put their headphones on, be left alone, and they just piece the story together. They're getting mm-hmm. all the raw footage and they're assembling it into what's going to eventually be a final episode. Right. Like people say like, oh, it ended up on the editing floor. Yeah. It's like they, mm-hmm. they're taking, removing and, and yeah. piecing it all together, like little snapshots. And it's like like they always talk about, like, we'll fix it in post. These are the people that fix it in post. Uh, yeah. They spend I hours. I fucking hate that phrase. <laughs> and um, so so this guy went in on the weekend, I guess, and was working on, you know, getting this thing ready. And when they came back, young dude, mm-hmm. totally healthy, mm-hmm. uh, just choked on whatever he was eating and died working on editing that episode, died in front of his screen. And it, like... And they just felt like there's more to this than he just like who just fucking chokes eating their lunch randomly that way. And and really like you happen to choke working on the one Mm -hmm. episode, Mm -hmm. the one building that freaked everyone out. And that's when they got somebody to like cleanse the production uh, studio. And these were like hardened cynics at this point. Right, right. Yeah. I know. I know that I've talked about this before, but I cannot help but to bring it up. Uh, I've worked several movies and TV shows that I worked on, we would work at this hospital, the Linda Vista Hospital in downtown Uh LA. Mm -hmm. 
And there were so— And they used that place for a lot of different, like, horror movie settings, right? Oh, yeah, it's just like and, the classic and just like, spooky hospital. Yes, and also it was a cheap location. Yeah. So even if you weren't necessarily filming something scary, but you needed a hospital room. Yeah. If you needed—like, one time we were there filming, and Cuba Gooding Jr. was there filming. Like, it was, like, at the height of his career. He had just done, uh, like, Jerry Maguire, mm-hmm. and then it was, like, something else. And it was, like, a football movie. I want okay. to say, and he just needed like they needed this pickup shot or like an uh, army movie, and it, yeah. it just happened to be that you could, you know, I mean, to take the fun out of production, it's like when you see a house on TV, it is not a house. You're seeing a facade, yeah. and then everything Oftentimes, else is shot yeah. on a soundstage, right? Yeah, like yeah. nine times out of ten, so you would just go there because you'd be able to get all these various things, and it was really inexpensive, mm-hmm. and you could be there. There were no sound restrictions because you weren't in a neighborhood. There were all these various reasons why it was so great, but. Much like your story last week in like the tunnels underneath a hospital, mm-hmm. this I, I absolutely have filmed in the bowels of that hospital. And even when you're all together, you know, there's 40 of you down there. And lots of equipment and so light many kits, lights. So, yeah. you know, they've got like the grips and the electrics and they're doing this and they're doing mm-hmm. that. And like it is just there is something. I mean, it's a hospital. A lot of people died there. Yeah, there's right? a feeling there. There like, is a vibe. And there was this one producer. I'll never forget this guy, Caleb. He was, I mean, you talk about a hardened dude. He was the epitome of a hard dude. He was just like this big buff guy, take no shit, mm-hmm. and just very like, he was always single. He was like solely focused on work. Mm-hmm. He just fit this particular stereotype. And I would have trusted him with anything. Yeah. You know, like he just had that way about him. Mm-hmm. And he got locked in a room there. Oh. And and there was no explanation for it. It was That's like, right. there was, you would have your office in a former patient room, right? Mm Because that's what was available to you, right? So you would set up, you know, he'd be in there, he had like a little editing bay in there, he had this, he had that, because when you're filming in the same location multiple days, you're not going to load in and load out every day. Mm -hmm. And so there was a door here, and like a door here, like a connect, that would like connect you to another room, and then the door in the hallway. And he went in, he did not close any of the doors behind him, and he was in there, and boom, they both slammed shut, and he was locked in there until someone let him out. And it was, there was no explanation for it. So dark in there. Yeah, and it just like, even with the lights on, it's still, you're alone in an abandoned building, the whole crew is over, you know, three floors away. Oh my God. It's fucking terrifying. Ah. Just the thought of being in that building again gives me the uncomfortables. Um, Let's look at these posters. Yeah, let's. From the the movies I just mentioned. So this first one's 2013 Conjuring. Uh, Yeah, that film poster. Yeah. It's so good. Especially if you like, uh, if you find that on the internet, like zoom in, they just did a great job of, uh, it's real creepy. Who's the male lead in that? Uh, what's his name? Is Patrick Will- Wilson, I think. Is that Will Arnett? What's no? I'm getting him mixed up. Uh, he looks kind of like it. I mean, it's been a while since I'm. I confuse these movies sometimes. Kind of, but I want to say Patrick Wilson is a guy in Vera Farmiga. Yeah, was it two? That's I right. Think. That's right. No, I think you're correct. Uh, the next one, 2012, The Possession. That film poster, oh, yeah. Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Ugh. I mean, not in the poster. But, I mean, that's okay. I can think about him in my brain. <laughs> and this next one, 1983's Twilight Zone movie. Mm-hmm. I loved that movie as a kid. Uh, I was terrified of the Twilight Zone. It is. Mm-hmm. is it just the, I still think about the gremlin on the window of the plane with John Lithgow. Well, uh, I never watched a whole episode because just the intro well, this music. Is the movie. Yeah. Well, I never saw that because mm. the TV show itself. The Rod Serling show. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going along with you. Yeah. The the show itself, just like the intro music, I couldn't stand but five seconds of it. I'd be like, and I would just turn it off. Um, <laughs> this next one, 1968 Rosemary's Baby movie poster. Mia yeah, Farrow. that's a fucking scary movie. 
I wonder if mm-hmm. it holds up today because I saw it when I was a teenager and it was already old. It didn't hold up for me. It didn't? No. Okay. But, uh, but, but I, a lot of people disagree. 1960 Psycho. This is uh, that poster. I like this poster. Yeah, that movie doesn't scare me, but it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah, just very influential. Mm-hmm. And then 1976 The Omen, which I've not seen. Gregory Peck. I, mm, I don't know. I watched so many horror movies in such a like... 12 to 15 time span mm-hmm. and it was kind of whatever we could get our hands on without our parents finding out <laughs> sure. so it was sometimes easier to get the older movies because they didn't have the same kind of ratings oh yeah blockbuster man you could just like slide <laughs> them on in yep did you know that they're remaking Candyman? well not remaking it they're doing a a sequel so to speak oh i yes i did hear about that mm-hmm. i think jordan peele wrote it mm-hmm. uh-huh yeah the decor story is scary it is scary yeah yeah um really good I'm excited for that one. Maybe we have to watch the uh, original mm-hmm. Richard Gere, right? Ah, I mean, it's been so long. I, I remember the, the bad guy in it. I don't remember. Yeah, if Richard Gere I'm was 99.9% in. sure that Richard Gere is in it. And uh, my mom loves Richard Gere. I think that's why I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Officer and a Gentleman. He was in some you know good ones. Mothman Prophecies. Yeah, he's been in some. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Mothman yeah, yeah, Prophecies. I was like, I was like no, I not Candyman. Uh, Candyman. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. But. We should watch the original Candyman and mm-hmm. then watch that one. Okay. That'd be a good thing for our horror movie club. That sounds fun. That sounds like a good time. Are you, who, who do you have for squishy help uh, over there? I can't remember his name. I got this little, like, um, white, uh, creepy, it's like a gelatinous kind of. Gelatinous. Uh, material it's such a gross word. Mm-hmm. Gelatinous. Makes me think you of cottage cheese. You know what's super gross to what? combine? Uh, gelatinous ween. Right? <laughs> Come on. Or work, or uh, are you working out new material right now, or something? Gelatinous puss. That's kind of weird. That's disgusting. Mm-hmm. It's not weird. It's just gross. Okay. Again, children. All right. Okay. They can handle the swearing, but like some of this requires a lot of explaining. <laughs> so, oh. are you done now? I'm done. Okay. Are you done with like weird? Yeah, I'm done. I'm done. Okay. Yeah. Because I'm really you said done. you were done before. I know. I and know. Then you keep bringing I, it back. I, I'm really. I'm, pro- I'm done. Okay. So you. So you say. I, again, don't trust you. Think, I'll be done for the stories. Okay. Do you think it could be frustrating to be a ghost? Yes. Okay, yeah. What, if, you, if you had, lim- I think it could be frustrating if you had limited ability to interact with the world around you and you really wanted to. Mm-hmm. Like if your power was limited to like knocking a book off a shelf. <laughs> oh or, yeah. Or, or making someone just feel a little bit of stuff, and you really wanted to get someone's attention. That would be incredibly frustrating. I think what the, I I agree with you, and I also think that what is additionally frustrating is your inability to communicate. And I have to wonder if sometimes if ghosts, if the if the angry moments that happen, like a ghost chasing you or doing something nefarious to you, is out of pure frustration of them not being able to tell you what they want to tell you. Oh, that's a yeah, okay, that makes sense. Because I was thinking about like when Monroe was little mm-hmm. and her, we didn't know that she was tongue tied yet, and you could mm-hmm. not baby like. That sweet girl, she mm-hmm. could not express her feelings, her emotions, her words. And that's Kyler where a lot was of her the, anger came from, yeah. Yeah, because Kyler was the only one that could understand her. And if I, I know, had to be so home cute. alone with her, yeah. I was like, uh, uh, uh. How, mm-hmm. Like, it was awful. I love that Kyler was like her gibberish translator. I know. They're so cute. So cute. But it, but anyways, I, I could be way off base, but uh, I just thought that that was something to consider, especially with this story that we're about to hear of a lifetime worth of haunting okay. from uh, our, our fan M and and they've been plagued with a ghost her entire life and no matter where she goes it seems like the ghost follows and doesn't seem like it has any intention of leaving anytime soon are you seeing something I think it's just my glasses well I don't know before I dive into this story 
we, since we're recording back-to-back episodes, all of 98, and then in the beginning of this one, I kept seeing little flashes of like a little like light or something, and I was trying to trace it, but nothing was moving when it was happening. So mm. it wasn't coming off your glasses. You don't have anything shiny on. I don't have anything. I don't know. I don't know. I told you. I feel like the energy in here has recently shifted. So time for, we got to cleanse the space. I haven't been good about it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Hey, Dan and Lindsay. Love the podcast. I'm new to the podcast world, and once I found Scared to Death, I didn't need to look any further. The way you two pick on each other always makes me smile. (laughs) Well, I hope you're enjoying this. I'm probably a small percentage of the population that gets comfort when watching and now listening to scary stories. Listening to you guys has helped me through some hard times. So thank you. Um, uh, We're glad. I would definitely classify myself as a creeper, but it hasn't always been that way. I want everyone to know that the story I'm about to tell is a series of events that has happened over the course of my life. Now let's begin. When I was five years old, we moved from an already small town to an even smaller rural town in Illinois. I remember going with my parents to the house showing and loving the yard. There was so much room for me to run and play. The property was surrounded by cornfields on both sides and had big trees throughout. The house was built in the 1880s and was definitely a fixer-upper. Now, keeping that in mind, I was very young, and I was never exposed to ghosts or the paranormal. I'm sure my parents didn't want to encourage the idea of me taking shelter in their room if it could be helped, but it didn't take long for me to take refuge there anyways. The first couple weeks, I slept on the couch while renovations were in full swing, and that's when I had my first encounter. One night, I woke up and needed to use the restroom. So I rolled over to get up off the couch and I saw a man sitting in a rocking chair across the room. He had a very serious look on his face and only stared forward. He wore a nice black suit and a top hat to match. I blinked a few times and there he still sat. I decided I would stay put and wait until the morning to use the restroom. I did one last glance in his direction, but now he was gone. He had seemed harmless, but I think I was so young, I didn't know, I didn't put much thought into it and assumed everyone could see him. A couple months passed by, and now my bedroom was finished and ready for me, but I was still trying to get used to the new house and the other people I would see on occasion. I tried sleeping in my own room, and I always left the door cracked in case any of the family pets wanted to sleep with me. But on several nights, I would be lying in bed, and I'd watch my door handle shake, sometimes violently. I would sit and watch for it, watch it for so long, it would end up making me dizzy and sick to my stomach. I decided to experiment with closing the door, which then made it worse. I ended up in my parents' room on so many nights, they set up a cot at the end of their bed for me. I remember so clearly one night, I had a fever, a runny nose, and my little body ached all over. My mom put a Kleenex box under my cot so I didn't have to get up in the middle of the night to blow my nose. I went to grab a tissue and saw a decaying skeleton on the ground next to me. I rolled over very quickly, sitting up on my cot quietly. A few minutes passed before I then crawled into bed with my parents for the rest of the night. A few nights later, feeling much better, but still a little scared to fall asleep in my own room, uh, fall asleep in my parents' room because now I had a new skeleton friend, I was trying to sleep, I was trying to fall back asleep, but there were lights shining in my face. The room was mostly dark with only a crack in the door letting in a beam of light that was obviously not the source of the light I was seeing. The thing is, I could only see it when my eyes were closed. I got up and went to the living room where my parents were watching MASH and proceeded to tell them about the lights. I told them that it was like a semi-truck coming towards me, but when I opened my eyes, the lights were gone. 
They shrugged it off and let me watch TV with them for a little bit. After falling asleep on the couch, my parents tucked me in while I was out cold. I'm not sure what woke me up, but I was back in their room and something startled me awake. When my eyes finally focused at the end of my cot, I could see three figures standing there like a little family. A mom, a dad, and a son. The boy was holding up a sign that said, help me. Oh my God. They were wearing period clothing and looked to be in distress. And in an instant, they disappeared right in front of my face. I was so scared. I didn't even know who these people were or where they were coming from. And a very strange detail I remember about that is that my cot faced a mirror and I vividly remember seeing the backs of all three of them. A couple years went by and a a little thing would happen here and there, but I was finally able to sleep on my own in my room. My bedroom was upstairs with a small bathroom down the hall. I hugged and kissed my parents goodnight and went upstairs to get ready for bed. I was in the bathroom brushing my teeth when I got this overwhelming feeling of being watched. As I was looking into the mirror at myself, in my mind, I could see someone standing on the landing looking at the bathroom door. I thought to myself, well, that's a strange thing to think. My heart started to race and my hands started to shake, but I managed to finish brushing my teeth. I was scared as I slowly opened the door, and as I did, my heart sank. There she was, the girl I saw in my mind just moments ago. She was standing there looking up at me. She looked sad, scared, and maybe even and maybe even a little menacing. Her hair was blonde, but stained with what seemed to be blood. Her white nightgown was tattered and dirty. She wasn't wearing any shoes, and her skin was filthy. But her eyes, her eyes are still what haunt me to this day. Her eyes were glowing yellow, pupils dilated. I quickly broke eye contact and made a run for my room. I jumped on my bed and hid under the covers. I was crying and shaking and eventually cried myself to sleep. Yet again, I ended up in my parents' room, but I didn't tell them what had happened. The only time I slept in my room from then on was when I had friends spend the night. I would just pray that she wouldn't show up. None of my friends could see her when I did, though one of my good friends throughout high school said that she would see glowing eyes under my bed at night. As I got older, I slept on the couch in the living room until the day I moved out. This little girl with the glowing eyes would continue to haunt me for years to come. She would even show up at school where she would pace outside my classroom door. When I was 16 and started my first job, she was there. My ex did woods racing on the weekends, and guess who followed? She was literally everywhere I went, day or night. And if I didn't see her, I could always feel her. Now let's fast forward to 2010. I had bought my first house and thought that my little girl may have just been attached to my parents' house, and she would stay there once I left. But boy, was I wrong. I think it pissed her off that I left. She started to show herself more and more and seemed to be changing shape and was getting a little bit more threatening. She was just now a black silhouette of a little girl. The way she moved, though, suddenly felt different, felt wrong. One day, I was washing dishes, looking out the window to the backyard and got that same reoccurring feeling. And then, bam! She aggressively charged the window, mouth open, as if she was yelling at me, arms stretched out. I dropped the dishes and ran to my bedroom. I suddenly felt like I was eight years old again, scared and confused. For years, I've just dealt with this little girl that seems to gain enjoyment out of scaring me. I never tried talking to her like many have suggested I do. That was the first time she had intentionally scared me, though. I, too, was changing now. I had gone from a child to a young woman. 
Does that have something to do with why she continued to haunt me? Because I'm able to move on with life and she can't? I've since moved from that house and I'm now married with three beautiful stepdaughters. My husband knows about my paranormal past, but he is a skeptic. We don't let the girls watch scary movies because I don't want them to be afraid of the dark the way I am. One morning, I was in the kitchen making pancakes and the youngest came downstairs and said, why didn't you cuddle with me last night? I whipped around and said, what are you talking about? She claimed I had been in her room the night before and asked if she wanted to cuddle. Now, don't get me wrong. I do love me some cuddles, but I can assure you that it was not me in her room. I told her that she must have been dreaming or that one of her sisters may have gotten up in the middle of the night. My husband confirmed that I had not gotten up in the middle of the night because when one of us does, the other one always wakes up due to the creaky floors. I asked myself, gosh, is that my little girl disguising herself as me? Is she trying to get my attention 20 years later and now she's going to use my stepkids to get to me? I've been told for years that I'm a magnet for the paranormal, that I have empath capabilities. Some say I have a guardian angel watching over me, while others say I have a demon attachment that is portraying itself as the little girl. I don't know who to believe, but I do know that my little girl is still around. The more I think about it, it all makes sense. The little girl I saw as a kid at my parents' house so many years ago must have felt like she could trust me, like maybe I was a sister or a friend. But then I moved out and it angered her. Like, like kids do, she acted out when she was upset. I'm not defending her, but I do kind of feel sorry for her. We've grown up together in a kind of way. I still don't know her story or what happened to her, but I'm hoping maybe by writing this, it will give her some peace. Lord knows she's watching me as I type this. A little side note, my parents do still live in the house that I grew up in. My dad doesn't believe in the paranormal as he views things on the logical side. My mom didn't tell me until I was in high school that she was also experiencing things in the house, but didn't want to scare me any further than I had already been. I was kind of relieved when she told me because I had thought I had been losing my mind. Within the last couple years, though, my dad has said he now sees this small, black, wispy shape dart by the stairs. When Uh. I moved out, they put in a door going to the upstairs as they rarely go up there. They said they can both hear footsteps pacing around in my old bedroom. I've come to terms with all my paranormal happenings, and I'm currently catching up on all the scary movies I missed out on over the years because I was too scared to watch them. I know most people are going to think I'm crazy, but that's okay. I've questioned my sanity many times with all of this weird shit. I could bore you for hours, but this was just a taste of some of the things I've experienced. Keep up the awesome work. I look forward to listening to you guys every week. Creeper M. M. That one really gave me the chills. I know. That was a really creepy fan story. Mm-hmm. And yeah, just the thought of like, man, like it starts when you're a kid oh. and you see this entity. I mean, and then, I mean, multiple entities for a while, they're like that. That really creeped me that, that the image in front of the mirror of the three people and the one like, help me, like, what the fuck? But then the, but then the little girl kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, entity. It's just such a weird thing to think about. Like you think, I just picturing like the the, the cor- over the course of a long life. Mm-hmm. Like you see this little girl when you're a kid, mm-hmm. and you're the same age, mm-hmm. and it's scary then. And then how weird is that? Then all of a sudden you're 17, and you're still seeing the little girl uh-huh. same age. And then you're 27, and then you're 35, and then I'm just picturing like you're 70. Oh my and, god! And you're, you're on your deathbed, right? And, you're, and yeah, you're on. Your, oh my god! You're on your deathbed, and at the foot of the bed is that same little girl. Like, and then I was like, are you gonna see them in a different way when you pass over? It's like, oh my god! Yikes! I get the chills. The way that I feel about it or the way that like this particular story hit me was that it almost felt like 
first, you know, there was the old man in the rocking chair. It, mm-hmm. it felt like maybe like someone was like testing it. Like, can we get through? Is she our is she our way in? Mm-hmm. Because that the little girl doesn't show up until it's like the third yeah. kind of um encounter I the, I that she has. I thought the little boy was gonna be like the little healthy boy oh was gonna God. be was gonna be the thing that followed her. And that then, thing fucking <laughs> freaked me out the most because it was yes. like three dimensional. Because it was like she's oh, the reflection. She's the saying reflection that too. she's seeing mm-hmm. the front mm-hmm. of them with the sign, but she also sees the it's was uh-huh. not just an apparition in, in my mind, anyways. Yeah. I know. And the fact that okay. I was thinking about how when I wash dishes, I also am looking out a window. Yeah. And if all of a sudden you just saw boom, something like fly up, like because ah, yeah. I mean that's what she's saying, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know. And oh. oh my god, yeah. Oh, and then it tries to cuddle with her kid. I know. There's just so many what like over and over. And what, you made a note. Yeah, woods racing. Is that I don't what know you what said? that means. Okay. Yeah, I was just checking. I'm, just, I'm assuming it's like dirt bike racing in the woods mm, or something. Something yeah. of that. I just never heard of that. Okay. Me either. But I was like, well, I'm not going to change it because sure, you know. Um, Oh, yeah. Creepy, creepy story. Good one. And now I feel like this story doesn't really need much of an introduction. We're going to talk about Robert the doll. Mm -hmm. Now, do you remember anything from that time suck episode? Like from Robert the doll? Yeah. What do you know about him? Um, Or what do you remember about him? I want to say the museums in Florida. Correct. uh, Where the doll is. I know the doll is old, over 100 years old, I Mm -hmm. want to say. Mm -hmm. And then if I remember, a lot of the stories about Robert the doll come from the museum staff where it's been kept, where it's like people like, um, you know, it moves in its case. Its eyes seem to follow you. People get a really creepy feeling around the doll, a a menacing feeling. Mm -hmm. But I don't remember any like specific accounts. Okay. Okay. Well. Just general details. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think this has been, that was one of my early episodes. So it's been a while since I've yeah several years yeah. yeah well and those those kind of episodes are actually what led us to scared to death mm-hmm. like just kind of testing yes. it out you know like mm-hmm. you did True. that you did the uh, Amityville An- uh huh Annalise Michelle that one still I still won't listen to that one still get the occasional email from the Annalise Michelle episode of people and it's so fucking weird mm-hmm. that I played this recording that I just found on YouTube oh. of her exorcism kind of noises and you know there's people that'll say like it's been modulated oh, it, it's God. fake or whatever but so many people like that's when the weird shit starts to happen to them yeah with their phone that part of the episode or things around you know like um, one person was listening to it and their power went out right at that point and then other people you know like their car or something their car mal- malfunctioned mm-hmm. their speakers malfunctioned and only episode and it still weirds me out because I've only seen it and I've worked on Excuse me, over 200, the way I write episodes is I'm always working on the laptop. Mm-hmm. Same way, I'm, I use Pages is mm-hmm. my, you know, word processing software. It's like it's like the same way over and over and over again. Same font, same everything. Yeah, I know, because you're psychotic. Uh-huh, I'm very anal about that. I have my own Roman numeral system. Like, everything uh-huh. is the same. Oh, I'm aware. Uh, the, I have my own versions of italicized, and this means this, and this means that. And with time suck over... 200 episodes with Scared that's coming up on 100. So many stories, so many scripts. I have my own Dropbox hierarchy. It's like everything's the same. One episode, the Annalise Michelle one, is when my cursor started weirding out. And it was like I was working on the script. And all of a sudden, like the little pointer starts oh, moving around the page on its own. And I was like, what the fuck? And then and then it did that again only on that episode. Uh uh, there was other episodes I worked on in, be- you know, during that same update, if you will, like that version of the software. Yeah, it could be a weird glitch, but weird, weird that it picked that episode out of all of them to I glitch wonder, on. I wonder if you went back and like decided to just edit that script, or I don't even want it right now. At this I, moment, I know, I know. Yeah, I remember uh, at that time I was handling some of the. Time suck fan emails, mm-hmm. and somebody wrote in about how they were listening to it, and right when it got 
They were getting in the shower, and right when the audio played, the power went out, and they were in the shower. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my god, that is a particularly vulnerable situation. Yes. Yeah. So if you if you want to hear that, <laughs> you can pop over to Time Suck. But so Robert the doll. Um, let's find out what our longtime fan John mm-hmm. why he just couldn't revi- re- resist visiting Robert the doll yeah. and taking a picture and what happened. Mm. Hey Dan and Lindsay. Paranormal things have always interested me, and I have a constant curiosity to look for the proof that ghosts and stuff are real. There was an episode of a podcast called Time Suck a couple years ago, (laughs) maybe you've heard of it, about Robert the doll. For those who aren't familiar with the story, basically, there was a doll that was given to this creepy little German kid, and shit got weird. When I learned that the doll was being kept in a museum in Florida... I thought I had a decent chance of checking it out since I live in North Carolina and vacationed in Florida every year. During my vacation in 2017, I finally got that opportunity. Despite staying in Orlando, my mother, brother, and I got up super early one morning and made the almost seven-hour drive down to Key West. We weren't just going to see Robert. We had always wanted to check out Key West. We're not weirdos, I swear. (laughs) Robert was, however, the first stop on our trip. We arrived at the East Martello Museum in Key West at about 11 a.m., paid our admission fee, and started looking around. Robert's exhibit was one of the first stops along the way. There, Robert sat inside a glass case wearing a white sailor's uniform. He was holding a toy dog and had his legs propped up on a glass stool. His face had several small holes in it, almost as if someone had stabbed it several times. A sign above the enclosure warned visitors to ask Robert's permission before taking a picture. I thought that was pretty stupid, considering (laughs) Robert was an inanimate object. In direct defiance of the request, and because I'm such a rebel, I snapped a photo. My phone made the clicking noise to signify it had taken a picture. Immediately, Robert slowly turned his head stared at me and said in a deep, guttural, almost demonic voice, delete it now. Just kidding. Oh, I was like, what? Nothing happened. (laughs) Why? Because it's a doll and dolls don't talk. Can you tell I'm a bit of a skeptic? However, no sooner had I taken the picture when a woman who was standing on the other side of Robert's enclosure reading his story on the wall whipped around, looked at me with wide eyes and said, did you ask permission first? In a concerned tone. No, I said, subtly indicating to her that I thought it was dumb to ask an inanimate object permission to do something, and even dumber for her to question it in the first place. Oh, you should have asked, she said in a lower, almost fearful tone. Strange things happen when you don't ask. Oh, really? I said, hinting that I thought she was full of shit. Oh, yes, she said, quite convinced. I came here to visit Robert a couple years ago, and I took a picture without permission. A few days later, I was looking through the other pictures I had taken on the trip, and three of the pictures were upside down. She paused and waited for me to react with shock and horror (laughs) at the haunting of three digital photographs being turned upside down. When my expression remained the same... When my expression remained the same form of polite disinterest, she continued. Well, there's no way I could have done that, she said, not thinking that there was even the remote possibility that she could have been holding the camera upside down. But (laughs) there they were, and I'm convinced Robert had something to do with it. Well, I guess we'll see what happens then, I said with a smile, hoping something interesting might actually happen. This disturbed the lady even more, and she likely said a quick prayer for my safety as I so blatantly challenged a cursed doll. 
We finished walking through the museum and around Key West before driving back to the mainland to check into our hotel. After a much-needed shower thanks to the sweltering humidity and walking around Key West all day, I went to bed ready to explore Miami in the morning and then return to Orlando. While my mother and brother were out cold almost immediately, I couldn't sleep. And then, sometime around midnight, I heard the laughter of a small child running up and down the hotel hallway. It sounded like he was carrying a stick or something and dragging it along the hallway walls and hitting it against the doorways as he ran past. I kept waiting for the child's parents to show up and discipline him for being a shit little kid (laughs) and disturbing everyone's sleep. But it never happened. The child just ran up and down the hallway three or four times before disappearing. I never heard a door or elevator open to signal that he was gone. His laughter just stopped. Maybe it was Robert. Once the laughter stopped, I was finally able to get enough peace and quiet to fall asleep. A couple of hours later, I was jerked awake by a shockingly loud banging noise coming from some other part of the hotel. I couldn't tell if the elevator cables were snapping or if someone was taking a sledgehammer to the ice machine. Whatever it was, it was loud. What's strange is that it was always just one deafening bang and then silence. There was no pattern to it. After the first bang, I shot up out of my bed, my heart racing and my eyes wide. My mother and brother, though, were still asleep and didn't hear a thing. I waited for several minutes before for another bang before lying back down and trying to get to sleep. Just as I'd gotten my heart rate down, it happened again. Bang! No one else heard it. A few minutes later, again, I had just gotten relaxed and yet again another loud bang. There was no pattern, no set timing to it. It just seemed to wait until I had gotten relaxed before doing it again. Maybe it was Robert. I immediately envisioned going out into the hallway to see what was going on, only to find a doll laughing, running at me with a sledgehammer, and murdering me for taking the picture earlier in the day. It seemed ridiculous and highly unlikely, but I was just intimidated enough not to take that chance. To this day, I'm pretty convinced Robert was getting revenge on me that night. Was it a little bit passive-aggressive? Sure. Mm -hmm. Was it worth getting the picture and having a story to tell to the end? A story to tell at the end? Totally. (laughs) That's it. Oh, that was good. I, I was. Um, it was not what I was expecting. Which it was. It was as scary as I expected. But I. Yeah. I expected um, his picture to be altered weird. Like so I was expecting him, oh. like when he looked at the picture, to have something really freaky in the background, or the doll like wasn't looking at him in the picture, like it was when he took the picture of the doll. Right. Right. Did not. Did not expect the. Um, the noises out in the hallway and the bang and the mm-hmm. sound like of a kid running down. You know, That's dragging something creepy. across the doors. Yeah, weird. Yeah, but yeah, weird timing. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I know. I did not like the idea just because, you know, we've all spent a night in a hotel or two. Mm-hmm. And just the thought of, like, middle of the night. A li- I mean, again, the little kid laughing sound. We said this last week as well. Mm-hmm. That, like, it just is so inherently disturbing to think about that little giggle. And then right after the doll thing. And yeah. it was given to a little kid. I don't know. Yeah. What you feel? I felt like you were no, no. Just yeah, just I was thinking. I, I'm still. My mind keeps uh, drifting back to the story before too. I'm, I'm trying to give this story its due, but that the story, the, the first story you told, is just sticking with me. Mm. Like, and, and then I was just, uh, I'm, I'm fighting my imagination. I'm like, I don't want to see a little girl anyway. <laughs> like, like I'm just picturing like if I'm at the house alone. Yeah. For some reason, I was picturing like, uh, like I heard a bang. Actually, this story re- took me back to the first story, the banging. Mm-hmm. When I was uh, hanging out by myself, and you were down at my mom's. Yeah. 
And I just assumed it was something that fell, whatever. I, I'm real quick to just like, nope, that's normal and moving on. But when I was, uh, I went upstairs in the bathroom, the kid's bathroom, to get something out of the medicine cabinet uh-huh. and just heard like a weird crash sound from somewhere in the house. And I immediately was like, probably fireworks, probably this, and just immediately tried to write it off. You it, didn't go and try and find the source nope, of it? Nope, nope. Just going to, it's fine. Whatever happened is fine. And I did not actually. And then I was just picturing like walking. What is wrong with you? Don't want to, didn't want to know. What if something fell over and broke and there was shattered glass all over the place and our dogs could have stepped on it? Well, I'll wait for the bloody paws and then I'll (laughs) investigate. Um, Oh, you are. I didn't know you were such a pansy. (laughs) Just in that moment, I was like, it set off some weird feeling. And then, uh, and then I was picturing like how much worse it would be if I went around the corner out of the bathroom, started to go down the stairs. And then I saw that little girl come up the stairs and meet me on the main floor, like an apparition, Mm -hmm. like out of like those conjuring movies when it's like a really defined apparition and losing my fucking mind. So I I kind of combined. I can't believe you didn't try to find the source of it. Well, did you ever been people doing fireworks? Ne- there's been people doing fireworks in my mind. I mean, they wrote it off like it must have been fireworks. Fireworks outside of our house do mm-hmm. not sound like something falling down in I, our house. I, I know that doesn't I know, make sense. I know, but that's why how I rationalize it. But the thing is, is that it's like okay, mm-hmm. you're the one who's always like, I want to see something. I want to see something. Sometimes I do, but then sometimes I don't. Well, I don't think you get to choose. I know. Okay, and also it's mm-hmm. like for me, I would at least, at the very, very least, the next day in the light of day. Mm-hmm investigate the house and find an answer of like, oh, this thing that's in the guest closet in this, you know, room that we never go into yeah. fell over. I was also stoned. Oh. I didn't want to like, you know, add to it. So hmm. yes, there you go. I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> okay. I didn't know you were such a baby. Oh, jeez. No? <laughs> <laughs> our nephew was, uh, you know, our big fan, Emerson. Mm-hmm. Our nephew was staying at our house, uh, like a week or two ago for a couple of days. And he had heard me on the podcast talk about salt above all the doorways. Oh yeah. And he like, he goes, I was, I was doing something and he could kind of like see the little salt crystals. He's like, do you really have salt above all the doors? I was like, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, but he did ask me for some protections. Well, I that. offered some crystals oh. and he was very into the idea oh, of taking that's them. Cute. That's so awesome. we have to get him oh, some. Him. We got to keep him safe, Good man. Kid. Mm-hmm. He's the best. All right. Um, I think I'll do spoopy shout or um, Annabelle shout outs yeah. first. I will. As I said, I will. Mm-hmm. All right. I'd like to thank the following Annabelles for supporting the show. Laura Gandia, Christina Folk, Tori, no last name, Kat Struley, Melissa Wilson, Ruben Alvarado, Josh Haddon, Alyssa Shue Roberts, L. Boo, Courtney Hogan Catley, Michael McLemore, Amy R. Hart, Colby Nuthall, Austin Welch, Stephanie Fry, and Lucy Ruiz. Awesome. I'd like to also uh, thank the Annabelle's Candice Kotsky, Gabriel Lira, Lucy McGuffey, Schuler Amon, Daniel Cineros, Bianca Perriman, Marie DeBolt, Donovan Lafon, Summer Wages. <laughs> I know. That's that's uh yeah that's fun. Uh, Lucky dog, Byron Stout. Oh, uh, Byron Stout. Byron's been a long time time suck fan. Long time. Oh fan. yeah, you recognize that name. Mm-hmm. I love when that happens. Yanle Laura, David Parkhurst, Beth Lockwood Stone, Sarah Pepe, uh, and Tony Corbel. That's it. Good job. Okay, and I have the spoopy shoutouts going to. This is so cute. To Goozlebug from Goozlebear. <laughs> Happy belated uh... birthday. To Jeff from Koala, love you. To Sky, Nate, Chloe, and Troy from your mom, Sarah, love you and love sharing scared to death together. 
to John from Regina, happy belated birthday, and to Noel from your peeper sister Michelle, happy belated birthday. I think John, um, I, I don't know if I pieced this together because sometimes the requests come in so far in advance, but to John from Regina, I'm wondering if this is John at the Spokane Comedy Club because I swear oh, to God that's his girlfriend's yeah. name. Okay, I, maybe. I can picture maybe. that couple mm-hmm. in my brain. Anyways, thanks guys. That is all for today. Thanks for continuing to send in your t- uh, personal tales of terror to my story at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. You can email us for everything else at info at scaredtodeathpodcast.com. Thanks to Logan Keith for running badmagicmerch.com and our social media accounts along with Liz Hernandez at Scared to Death Podcast on Instagram and Facebook where you'll find pictures that correspond to these episodes and more. We have a private Facebook group for horror lovers, Creeps and Peepers, moderated by Liz Hernandez as well. Thanks to Joe Paisley for producing and directing today. Thanks to Zach Cohen for custom soundbed creation. Thanks to Heather Rylander for organizing the My Story emails. Thanks to Olivia Lee for finding the first story and to Sophie Evans for finding the second. Subscribe to Bad Magic Productions on YouTube if you would like to watch these shows. If you want ad-free episodes, bonus content, uh, and uh, bonus episodes and more, <laughs> check out our Patreon. It is bonus content. It is bonus content. There, there's other stuff besides a bonus episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm proud of myself. I didn't interrupt anymore with tales of peens or weens or vajangas or, you know, pusses. And enjoy your nightmares, kids and peepers. Hope you're scared to death. I hope you teach your kids proper anatomy. If spirits threaten me in this place, fight water by water and fire by fire. Banish their souls into nothingness and remove their powers until the last trace. Let these evil beings flee through time and space. Evil may pass through, but has no home here within scares to death. Add Magic Productions. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Save big money on everything for your projects. Now at Menards. We have it all for garden and landscaping essentials. Visit our outdoor garden center today and update your backyard space. Grid accents lattice panels have a timeless design with an innovative design that's simple to install and requires almost no maintenance. Save big on lattice panel options at Menards. View our entire selection of garden center products today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.